If they don't like Ron DeSanctimonious now, they won't like him any better six months from now with the start of primary season. The more people get to know him, the lower his polls are going. He's now in the mid-teens and falling fast. He will soon not be number two. Looks like it won't happen much longer. But uh, he deserves it because he's a very disloyal person. Make America great again. Thank you very much. Well, that was nice. <laughs> Holy crap. I swear to you, uh, Donald Trump is four seconds away from saying, look, I told you Ron's a bitch. Four seconds away. The question is, well, is any of it reality right now? Anything we're seeing in the polling, anything that we're hearing about on the ground, what's legit and what's not? We are now in the place for the first time you cross that mid-July threshold. These candidates got to start getting a move on. They got to start making some positions, making some rain, getting their story out there, because otherwise it's locked in. And DeSantis, he's got his own issues. The question is, how big are they? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Craig Robinson joins us right now. Iowa GOP is where you find him on the Twitter box. He is also the head of CGDelivers.com. Long time with the Republican Party. Long time in organizing caucuses, in being a pundit and an expert in the Iowa politics. He joins us right now. And and before you know, we get into specifically Trump's commentary on on DeSantis, all eyes in Iowa. And are we to believe that Trump just owns the state lock, stock and barrel? Well, I think, you know, as the case is with everything that Trump says, there's always quite a bit of truth to it. And uh, I do think he's in a strong position. I think that, you know, Ron DeSantis had a window. He had an opening to take. Right. And and he hasn't delivered. And so I think that. What Donald Trump is saying is very harsh sounding. I would never say it that way, but I think there's some truth to it. And it's because Ron DeSantis hasn't been as advertised. You know, he waited to get into this race. He waited to come to Iowa. And now that's all catching up to him. And you're absolutely right about the calendar. Now you got to put up or shut up. And, And you don't have a year or two to do it slowly. And Ron DeSantis is kind of, you know, I think wasted you know, the first few months of his campaign and maybe should have been here a little sooner building actual relationships. So is, is this a, a question of he hasn't been in, in, the, in the 99 counties? He hasn't been pressing the flesh. He hasn't been showing up to the pork producer's tent at the state fair that you and I, of course, have both attended before in our lives, you many yeah. more times than me in Iowa. Uh, or is it that he hasn't been trying to push some of the play, engage with the player people, whether that be the governor, whether that be people on the social conservative side like Bob Vanderplatz or, yeah. or others? Is this on the ground or is this with the right people? I think this is on the ground. I think he's done the right stuff with the right people. And, and, but the problem is, is that if you want to see Ron DeSantis in Iowa, you got to bring your checkbook. And that has never flown in Iowa. I mean, he is, if you're a, if you're a city member of Congress or the attorney general or the governor or whatever, 
he'll come and be the headliner for your fundraiser, right? So he gets to walk right in. His campaign doesn't have to set up an event, and he shows up and he speaks to the crowd that you've assembled. But as an Iowan who is maybe interested in learning, do I like Ron DeSantis? Can I interact with him? I have to cut a check to go see him. (laughs) That is so anti-Iowa caucus. Um, You know, we're used to these people showing up in our small towns at a coffee shop so we can ask them questions. If I've wanted to see Ron DeSantis, there's only been one or two occasions where you could go to an event and actually, you know, walk into his campaign event and it's free, right? Otherwise, it's a... it's a campaign announcement, or it's a he's at a fundraiser, and I got to write a check to get. Talking to Craig Robinson, right there of uh, CG uh, Delivers. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Iowa GOP. Um, how does one make that mistake? He's not dumb. His team's not dumb. How do you make that error in judgments? I, I mean, meaning. Yep. Why am I explaining to you? It's purposeful. How does that happen? Yeah, I'm I'm baffled by it. I, I am truly baffled by it. And I think that you get caught up with all of these things. Like you're looking for uh, tangible things, right, that you can say, I've done this. And look at these legislative endorsements. Look at this. And look at the money, right? We all get distracted by money race and all of those things. But at the end of the day, it's do you have a connection with voters? And, like, this is always going to be be tough for anyone who's challenging Trump for the nomination. You have to go in there and say, hey, I'm better than he is. You're going to like me better than him. And and the thing is, is to do that, you have it has to be a personal touch in a state like this where it's a caucus. And I just think that they somehow forgot to do the basic blocking and tackling. Let's get into someone who hasn't clearly, and that's Tim Scott. Latest polling has him in third place, I like Tim Scott. Uh, you know, I, I, I've always enjoyed him. Uh, I think from uh, that summit that took place with Tucker Carlson, he came out, f- for me, far worse for wear in that question about Ukraine than Mike Pence did when you listen to the totality of the question. Polling doesn't say that. The polling has him in third place. What is the Tim Scott take? Well, the Tim Scott take is that Look, this is someone who is on the airwaves. It, you you hear his advertisements. He's in your face. He's been out and he's campaigned a little bit. Um, and, and then the, the other thing is, is when you look at a guy like Pence and a guy like Tim Scott, they're more of the classic conservative voter or candidate that that are that those activists will kind of seek. You know, they'll find their way to. Um, they're the traditional christian conservative candidates or at least that's what they appear to be vying for and so there's a little bit easier niche for them to go exploit in terms of the caucus goers so he's got something here he's got money to spend and that's why i think he's at the three percent but he's going at mike pence for that same exact voter if we're talking about uh the the, the christian conservative vote it's scott or it's pence that is the base of support that evangelical vote that's the base of the support they need in order to get bigger places uh iowa prefers scott over pence yeah i think so ultimately that'll be the case let us then go into the guy who i think is surprising a lot of people but if you listen to someone like like yourself, Craig. Um, 
the the retailing is everything. And that's Vivek Ramaswamy, who is now at 6%. Uh, he is uh, going to be part of the debate stage in Milwaukee at the end of August. Over 60,000 personal donors. He has shown himself to be very supportive of Trump, but not necessarily uh, a stalking horse for Trump. I don't believe that to be the case. I think his ego doesn't allow that opportunity. Um <laughs> Uh, Iowa doesn't mind an outsider. Iowa doesn't mind a guy who uh, who comes uh, far from far afield, as long as you're speaking sense and you're speaking directly. Vivek seems to be doing both. Bingo. He's 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 perfect on the message. I I don't think there's anyone uh, that's better on the message than Vivek's been, and he's he's coupled that with being here a lot, and he was here early. Um, you know, I always joke, I call them first date Republicans, people who fall in love and want to get married you know, the first time they meet a candidate. And he he made himself available for that. And so I think there's a lot of people who, you know, there was this, oh, well, Ron DeSantis is the, you know, the second coming. He's great. He's he's Trump of all the baggage, all this stuff. And they held out hope. And then he came and he didn't deliver. And so then that person, I think, starts looking around and says, well, this Vivek says that, I mean, like, I don't disagree with him on anything, you know, and, and he sounds great and he's young and he's energetic and he's not nasty to Trump. And I think that, um, I, look, I, I do, I believe that he, he is surging. I think he is going to be a force to be reckoned with in Iowa. We'll see how big he can build it, but I don't think he's going away. Yeah, but not going away is different than than having a, a, a shot. There's a lot to defeat to to make yourself a, a, a player. And this all gets us into the how things play out for a Super Tuesday run. Mm-hmm. You see it as Trump right now feeling very locked and, and having that lock in, in Iowa. You and I both understand that anything is possible. Do we feel that way about New Hampshire? Or has DeSantis built himself a more New Hampshire-focused strategy to get him to South Carolina? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I think the problem with 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 New Hampshire is just you got people like Chris Christie, you know, sitting there, and the the national media loves them and puts them on TV every single weekend, and um, you know, and he's he's good at that. He's very good at that. Uh, even if you don't agree with him, I think you can see that he has skills. And so, again, like. <clears throat> You know, they get the DeSantis voter has to like if in New Hampshire, you're going to have to peel Trump support to support you, because if you're just an anti-Trump voter, I think you're voting for Chris Christie up there. I think you're voting, you know, for for someone like that. And so I think the the task is even a little bit more complicated in New Hampshire than it is in Iowa. As you see it to get one Super Tuesday hits. What does the split have to be in those first three states, Iowa, uh, New Hampshire, uh, South Carolina? Certainly, if Trump takes all three, it's game over. Nobody even lasts into Super Tuesday. It's all just a game at that moment. What does the split have to be to make it interesting going into Super Tuesday? I, I, I think what you have to see is you have to see someone besides Trump win a state before Super Tuesday. So I think Trump has to go down. And and right now it doesn't feel like that's going to happen, but as you know, anything can can transpire here. 
But I actually There's, think someone needs to beat him in New Hampshire or beat him in South Carolina. But if Trump rolls through him, and even even if he wins and it's 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 a five or ten point win, a victory is a victory for Trump. And I I just think it becomes even that much more difficult to stop that momentum when you get to that point. But the way you describe that, Craig, your your are you convinced or are you just a believer that nobody is going to be able to catch Trump in? Iowa, he's up by what is it like thirty points or something like that? Yeah. This is game over. Tony, I think I think we have a two tiered presidential race going on. Trump is in a tier all by himself. There is no challenger to him directly at this moment. Ron DeSantis used to be that. He has fallen into that second tier. And they are all fighting to become who's the alternative to Trump. It's complicated because now you got Chris Christie in New Hampshire saying I'm the alternative to Trump. I don't care about Iowa, right? And so you're going to have to do battle with them. I mean, I think Vivek is a bigger threat to Ron DeSantis today than Ron DeSantis is a threat to Donald Trump. And so this in Iowa, you have to, this second tier is what we're trying to figure out, in my opinion. I think Trump's going to win the caucus. I think what we're looking to is who's the alternative? Who's next? Who's going to challenge down the road in these other states? That's what we're going to figure out, I think, with Iowa. If Pence is a non-factor in your view, and you've clearly called Chris Christie a non-factor in your view if you're focused on him in, in New Hampshire, uh, just really quick, uh, Haley and Burgum, uh, Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, right around the corner from you. Yeah. Either one of those a factor? Um, a, a little bit. I think Nikki Haley is, has done a lot of the work that needs to be had. She's, she's gone out and, 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 and campaigned aggressively. Burgum a little bit. Burgum's a little bit late, but he's got the money to be on air. Doug Burgum's a smart guy. Now, is his campaign focused on the right issues? I don't know. He doesn't want to talk about any of the social stuff. Um, I think that hurts him in Iowa, taking that position. But again, if you look at his record as governor, he's, he's signed very uh, pro-life legislation and the law. So I think there, there's there's something there that I think you have to continue to watch. It's just how does that second tier develop? And I really think, Tony, it's wide open. You know, I, I, I think that, that you know, if, you, if any of those people beat Ron DeSantis in the Iowa caucuses and come in second, and Ron DeSantis is third or fourth or whatever, he's done. And then they're going to get momentum going into these other states. And I don't think that, you know, it's so short between Iowa and New Hampshire. But, like, if you're Nikki Haley or Tim Scott and you can be in that top three out of Iowa, you're setting yourself up really good for South Carolina. And thus, maybe you're alive uh, for Super Tuesday. Craig Robinson is his name. You can find him on uh, Twitter, Iowa GOP, and uh, find his work over at cgdelivers.com. Uh, Dude, it's good to talk to you. It's been too damn long. Uh, really and truly. <laughs> I agree. All right. So uh, we'll Thanks, talk Tony. soon. Uh, take care, Craig Robinson. Thank you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. And again, the good news is all around my state, uh, I can't turn over a rock without seeing new jobs associated with clean aviation fuel, with new types of batteries. It's very exciting what's going on right now 
in inventing a new uh, economy. And we're doing that right in Washington State, and people are getting great jobs because of this. So there's two parts to this story. This thing is now the age of consequences. The bomb has gone off. But we do have the ability to restrain fossil fuels if we make the commitments we need to. And I'm glad and, and that governor, we're in a state that's doing that. That's the governor of Washington State, Governor uh, Inslee, uh, Jay Inslee. And uh, uh, people are so impressed with the work that he's done in Washington State uh, that when he decided he was going to run for president, he got no votes. I don't think Jay Inslee... Did Jay Inslee ever register anything in a caucus? Did he even make it to a caucus? Or was it he like like Kamala Harris who didn't have a shot, yet she got to be vice president? So, you know, there's that. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. The climate change bomb has gone off. It's hot, people. It's hot. And it's the middle of summer. And that makes perfect sense. Well, you're having extreme temperatures. You're going to have other extreme temperatures. Yet extreme temperatures 80 years ago. Was that because of the global warming? You had ice ages. Name the number of thousands of years ago. Global warming? Did the ice then melt because everybody ran their Cadillac Escalade? Sorry, I don't want to just, you know, single out the Escalade people. Lovely vehicle. I I could be so convinced to end up with one myself. Although I do have a friend who was telling me I need to buy uh, one of the original Humvees, like a a former military Humvee. I'm like, can I get the, the Ford Bronco up and going and perfect? It's close. It's close. Uh, uh, the, the check engine light started flashing. I'm like, no. No, why? Why? We fix these things. So I, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still figuring it out, people. Um, I ask how the ice melted. If there was an ice age and the ice melted and it wasn't the fault of, of Escalades or any other vehicle, how did it happen? Maybe things got warmer. Every single record-breaking temperature is not proof of a progressive's environmental fantasy. Stop being weirdos. That's all I ask. Just stop being weirdos. The planet can change. Doesn't mean that we're all going to die. It also doesn't mean that you should burn tires in the middle of the road. Nothing about my argument. Uh, states that somehow we shouldn't be good stewards of the land in which we live. But that's being a conservationist, not an environmentalist, because an environmentalist doesn't believe that you should be able to have air conditioning. The environmentalist is a radical by definition, and you should not trust them because they can't be trusted. Yeah, it's going to be hot. And my beloved Indianapolis, ooh, it's going to be a hot week. And then you know what? It won't be. But be safe out there. I mean, regardless of where you are in the whole climate position, be safe. Drink water. Check in on your neighbors. Get some shade. Would you? That'd be great. This is Tony Katz today.
I'm a guy who believes in nuance. I'm a guy who has long believed that there there is right and wrong. There is good and evil. The yets are wrong. The yets are tov. There clearly are correct and incorrect answers. But very often, there's nuance about a thing. There's nuance about a subject. There's a a way of engaging, a way of recognizing that someone can have a point that's different than yours and you can see where they're coming from even if you disagree where the result is going. Nuance, um, maybe it's, it's seen as grace, right? The idea that not everything is someone coming to destroy you. Sometimes it's nothing more than disagreement. Sometimes it's nothing more than, than conversation. And, and not everybody is trying to destroy you politically or in any other way. I have yet to find the area to which I can utilize nuance when discussing slavery. I haven't been able to do that because I don't know how that's done. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is about Ron DeSantis. And guidelines in education in Florida, which, of course, the left has been screaming about now for years and more often than not lying about. Did they do that again with this idea that the new curriculum, which has been approved, includes the inclusion that slaves gain skills, and I'm quoting here, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. Oh, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Oh, holy hell. Tell me that ain't a thing. Tell me that ain't a thing. Well, okay. Let's take uh, two steps back just for a, a, a moment. First, remember that all things are political when you're running for president of the United States. And always remember that if you are explaining, you are losing. Explaining is losing in politics. But it also should be noted, as we have seen so many things involving Governor DeSantis of Florida, that to believe what is being said off the cuff is madness take a moment the florida board of education recently approved these guidelines and the idea is that it says it states that slaves quote develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit now this is being taken to mean that Slaves benefited from slavery. This is how Vice President Kamala Harris engaged it. That Florida is saying that slaves benefited from slavery. Now, I'm old enough to have heard a million weirdo things. It's also because I sit in this chair and people send me weirdo things. There's an argument out there that, that, is, that is less of the weirdo thing, but certainly not something I would ever advocate. That... If you were to take all the people who were brought to the United States specifically as slaves and you take a look at their descendants, there are some some who want to argue, well, those people are better off because they get to live in America. Look how great America is. Ooh, you can have that. 
You could certainly say that America has prospered and grown and built and is this freest place in the world and all these opportunities. Certainly, life is very, very good in the United States compared to life in a fair amount of African nations that may have dealt with slavery. But these are also nations that would have had their best and their brightest and their strongest taken out of those nations because of slavery. It, the, the argument falls because the argument doesn't commit to the idea of the what is unseen, you know, as, as, as Frederick Bastiat would explain, the seen and the unseen. What you see on a top line is, oh, well, America's clearly better than name an African nation uh, that is still third world if, if slaves came from that nation. One cannot argue what would happen, happen to that nation if that nation had been allowed to thrive on its own. The unseen. I think that's a really important piece. And since slavery is pure, unadulterated evil, you can't get me to somehow say, well, who, who got lucky. That's a, that's a weird argument to make. And I make it on, on the, that first part of my argument rather than the, the second. Although somebody could note yes my the my ancestors had it very very rough but it, but i'm glad i'm here now which is i think a rational point of view what vice president harris said is that people are being taught middle schoolers are being taught uh, about how enslaved people benefited from slavery that's not the case so this move from the Department of Education is creating a whole bunch of issues for Ron DeSantis on the campaign trail, and I get why. Because this is a hard one to nuance. And now it's being posed or, or, or phrased, positioned by Vice President Harris into something that it is not. Now you have to get into a nuanced conversation about something you don't even want to touch. I mean, so much so that Republicans are going on to CNN and just going at Kamala Harris, that this is not what it says. It does not say that people benefited from slavery. It is very, very clear in its writings, very clear that what it says is that in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. Now, Ron DeSantis was asked about this directly and ron desantis said the following well you should talk to them about it. i mean i didn't do it and i wasn't involved in it um but i think um i think what they're doing is i think that they're probably going to show um some of the folks that eventually parlayed uh you know being a blacksmith into into doing things later later in life um but the reality is all of that is rooted in whatever is factual they listed everything out and if you have any questions about it just ask the department of education you can talk about those folks but i mean these were scholars who put that together it was not anything that was um that was done politically it sounds like he's saying people benefited but he goes back and discusses, hey, first of all, I didn't write that curriculum. They brought in scholars to put together the curriculum, and thus the curriculum passed. 
But how does this not become the most political thing ever? This is Jim Acosta asking the question to Cedric Richmond, who advises a President Biden. Thanks very much for being with us. Uh, good evening. Um, uh, Florida's new education standards say students will be taught, among other things, how slaves learn skills that could ultimately be used for their benefit. Now, we have to say in no uncertain terms, uh, slavery was evil. There, there were no benefits from it, full stop. Uh, but let's talk about this. You just heard Florida Governor Ron DeSantis say a few moments ago, trying to explain what's going on in Florida and to, I guess, go back at the vice president, that somehow uh, people who were enslaved and working as blacksmiths might be able to use those skills after they weren't slaves anymore. I, I'm trying to make some sense of this. What, what's your response to what Florida Governor DeSantis had to say about this? Uh, clearly, factually, uh, he's wrong. Slavery was an abomination. It was utterly evil and it had zero redeeming qualities. But I think that it further illustrates how far uh, this Republican Party and these candidates are going uh, to the right and to cater and pander to extremists in order to get support. And that being Cedric Richmond right there, that's got a problem because he just said that it's wrong. Well, is it indeed wrong? Hold on a second. Have you ever heard of Dr. William Allen? Dr. William Allen, Emeritus Dean of James Madison College, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Michigan State University. He's a member of the Mackinac Center, the Board of Scholars since 1995. He has a host of uh, degrees, earned his PhD in government from the Claremont Graduate University, taught at Harvey Mudd College at Claremont, California, visiting professor in history and American government at the Ashbrook Center at Ashland University, former member and chairman of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, a Kellogg National Fellow, Fulbright Fellow, and member of the National Council on the Humanities. And he's got books. George Washington, America's First Progressive, Rethinking Uncle Tom, The Political Philosophy of Harriet Beecher Stowe, edited collections on George Washington and the Essential Anti-Federalist. That is the bio from the Mackinac Center, Mackinac.org. I don't know anything about Dr. William Allen. Nothing. It's the first time I've ever come across him. But it seems that he was one of the people who was involved in the creation of this, of this curriculum. Cedric Richmond is a black man. Dr. William Allen is a black man. Here's the question and answer from him. So there's been, uh, there's been a little bit of backlash um, to, to these standards that, you know, were put out. And, you know, like you said, that, you know, these were, these were done in open, uh, open session so the public could, you know, listen or watch along. Um, you know, what would what would you say to critics uh, who say these standards um, have set education back? Well, I can't answer critics whom I haven't seen or heard. The only criticism I've encountered so far is a single one that was articulated by the vice president and which was an error. As I stated in my response to the vice president, it was categorically false. It was never said that slavery was beneficial to Africans. 
what was said, and anyone who reads this will see this with clarity, it is the case that Africans proved resourceful, resilient, and adaptive, and were able to develop skills and aptitudes which served to their benefit, both while enslaved and after enslavement. Oh! Well! Well, that's a way to look at it. Now, most people won't engage it clearly. They'll say, oh, so the black doctor, the black professor thinks it's okay. Therefore, it's okay. It's not a question of whether or not the black professor thinks it's okay. Because that's an argument that somehow the color of skin makes the commentary acceptable or true. And that is everything that it is not. That is, of course, not it. On CNN, they were arguing with this guy, Scott Jennings, who said that Vice President Harris was wrong and other people on the panel saying, oh, she was so right. This is so bigoted. Ashley Allison, who's a CNN commentator, I don't know thing one about Ashley Allison. Ashley Allison reacted to the remarks and said, I'm glad she, meaning Vice President Harris, spoke on the issue. Just because black people write it doesn't mean it's going to be accurate. We can disagree with black people as well. I have been saying this for over a year on the concept of Black Lives Matter and critical race theory and the rest. Of course, black people can be wrong. Just like white people can be wrong, just like Jews can be wrong, just like gay people can be wrong, because the color of skin does not create expertise. It doesn't create expertise. The Ashley Allison um, bio uh, shows her as a builder, creator, advocate, and organizer. And she ran campaigns and she served on a leadership council for human rights. She's got a commitment to racial equality and civil rights proven through her career. Yeah, but Dr. William B. Allen is a doctor. Dr. William B. Allen has written multiple books regarding historical figures. He has a PhD in government from Claremont Graduate University. He taught at Harvey Mudd College, visiting professor in history and American government at Ashbrook Center at Ashland University. May I ask who I should be listening to? It sounds to me that I'm not listening to this black person or that black person. I'm listening to the expert. Just like you're supposed to. And if we're finally to the place where we're going to listen to the experts, can we please all recognize that the 1619 Project is a lie because experts like Gordon Wood and others said so? No matter how you want to slice this, it doesn't look great for Ron DeSantis. This is, this is not where you want to be. But if we're finally going to get to the place where we don't regard religion or sex or sexual orientation or skin color as expertise, but rather we engage expertise as expertise, well, my gosh, that's a silver lining. For some, that's going to be nuance. 
See how we came full circle? I'm Tony Katz. I know earlier in the show, people were talking about why Biden wasn't getting more credit uh, for the economy doing well. And it was the White House to blame it all here because they have been, done a better job selling it. And I just don't think it was possible uh, for the, his numbers to go up on the economy when inflation was still going up. And people were when they're watching the news, they're hearing that a recession is coming. Interest rates are getting raised. And, you know, now I think that. Things are aligned that the White House can continue to make the argument. We the plan is working, not saying everything's great yet, but the plan is working for whom and where I'm glad inflation showed a tick down. Now, you, Jennifer Palmieri, who's uh, formerly with the Biden White House, you have to prove it's going to stay down. You have to prove this. You got to get lucky. She's the former White House director of communications. Are you going to get that lucky? You want to engage more spending in that White House. How do you expect to keep the inflation down? You give him a chance, he's going to spend more money. Look what he wants to do with more student loans. Even after being told no by the Supreme Court. If you want to argue that this economy is going great, you are more than welcome to. We argue the schizophrenic nature of it all the time. But I think the White House is going out on a big limb trying to say, look at us. Big mistake in my view. We'll see if they turn out to be right or wrong. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.